This is Coda Radio, episode 545, for November 20th, 2023. Hey friend, welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris and typing furiously into ChatGPT, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. It's actually now Microsoft GPT. Or wait, no, it's ChatGPT. Wait, no, it's Microsoft. I'm so good. I think it's Azure GPT. Now, wait a minute, is Marissa Mayer in there somehow? What's going on? Somehow. Yeah. Somehow she's got heat. She, she's, she's in. She's coming in with she, some heat. She senses, she, you know, she's like a huntress. She senses the weakness of the prey, and she's like, I could take over this board. What, what's, what, yeah. I'm, I'm not joking. She literally jumped in on Twitter and was like, hey. You got to feel bad, right, when Marissa Meyer is dunking on you. But you know who I really feel bad for? All of Twitter? It's old Elon. Oh. No, yeah, Elon. You know, he had this whole thing about he was going to be the character of the weekend. He was going to be the main character. He tried so hard. With his big uh, lawsuit against Media Matters. Boy, it's, it's, it's bleak over there for the advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's real bad. It's real bad. Apple, Coca-Cola, a bunch of others all pulled out. Oh, it's also in the, the last. It's not working anymore. No. Because I think they, I mean, granted, I wish I was running ads this weekend because, uh, Mr. Sam, actually, we really can't blame Sam for this one. It's uh, Isla who kind of started the coup, right? But there was certainly more tech activity than you than there has been in a while. But yeah, yeah, Elon, you, you know, you say controversial things just to get those sweet, sweet Twitter impressions, and then a bunch of bozos go and ruin it for you. That's just the lousy. <laughs> I do think Apple's being pretty hypocritical here, though. Apple is one of the largest advertisers on TikTok. While everybody was having a moral panic about Elon, literally at the same exact time, TikTok was it, it just falling over themselves to praise Osama bin Laden's 20-year-old letter to America. And I don't know if you've, have you seen this trend, but it's just absolutely incredible how many TikTok influencers discovered a 20-year-old letter, and now it's touched them so deeply, and it's become a whole viral meme where they're all basically praising Osama bin Laden on TikTok. Well, they're all 12. And Apple is one of the largest advertisers on that platform, and they got no problem with that. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm too old to use TikTok, and I don't like to knowingly install spyware on my phone. Oh, I, I don't know about it, but it's so egregious. It's being reported. I'll put a link in the notes for people that are curious, but it's just absolutely crazy. Well, this has to be like, like an age thing, right? This has to be. Yeah. Yeah, because most of the yeah. people that think of this, this amazing letter weren't even alive during that. Right. I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's. My point, my point is, is that Apple and IBM, you know, they have this moral stance about Twitter, but they don't seem to apply that to TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. Right. It's only X. You only ever hear them pulling ads from X. No other platform. Even though there is at the exact moment that Apple made this decision, a pure as light day example of something kind of morally reprehensible happening on TikTok, and they're just spending more money than ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure all these platforms are kind of garbage in roughly the same way, right? I, I've weirdly found Facebook to be less horrible recently, mostly because it's uh, election season coming, and my family all hates each other now, and I find that very entertaining, as I mentioned last week. But I, I was on... Uh, Oh, what's the lame one? Threads. I tried Threads out. It's like Twitter, but but nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Olympia Mike is reporting back into the show. Uh, he wrote in a little over a month ago sharing about a nightmare he had with Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, 
banning his entire domain and all the subdomains to his SaaS company. We covered that on the show. He's been hard at work since then trying to get it cleared up. He gave us a bit of an update. He contacted Meta. Uh, they really just went with, sorry, no help here. They went with the disagree with the decision option, and Meta just gave them no help. So the company decided to upgrade to Meta Verified for $15 a month to get more access to support. <laughs> so they get into support, and it turns out to be like this really crappy AI bot that just gives them basically no help and then inevitably ghosts them. <laughs> so they're paying for the privilege of that. So then they open up a new ticket and they give a whole new explanation and they get a reply the next day saying that, yeah, no, we agree with our original decision. When they ask them, okay, well, what did we exactly do? What's the problem here? Because we've been doing this for five years. We didn't change anything. What rule did we violate? And Meta will not give them an answer. They said, quote, we understand knowing the exact violation causing the domain to be flagged would be helpful for you to understand what to avoid doing in the future. However, we do not typically divulge this information to our creators to prevent them from circumventing our policies, end quote. I actually think this is an epic technique that we should adapt to parenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm taking your Nintendo, little boy. Yeah. But I'm not telling you why. So now you have to sit there all day and think about what you did. This is, I got a hats off to Meta. This is epic. You know, there's that whole debate around their what, section, whatever it is, to uh, protection as a publisher. They clearly are publishers. They clearly are editors. He says that they're kind of at the end of the road. So what they had to do is essentially just set up a whole new domain. Whole new account, yeah. Kind of build it all over again under a new account. And so far it's working, but since they never knew what caused it in the first place, it could just seriously kill their business one day. He thinks maybe centralized companies was a bad idea. Yeah, well, what are you going to do there? Yeah, you know, this is the thing, right? Do you want, because I don't think we're ever going to get away from centralized platforms anymore. But which is worse, right? Is a is a false, conviction is the wrong word, but a false action worse than a bunch of like stuff that's objectionable being up there? And I, I personally kind of agree with that sentiment that I would rather like just have to block a bunch of people myself that are posting like nonsense, right? Then have one business be destroyed, especially like a small business, because, you know, the Python script that checks the content mistook something for something objectionable. I think the flip side of playing the regulatory moat game, and Meta is one of the experts at it, is that when they tell you to jump on something, they being the U.S. government and potential regulators tell you to jump on something, you have to ask them how high. I think the problem here is these companies have to cover their own butt. And when they build these regulatory moats, they live and die at the king's at the king's wish. And so they they really have to just jump as high as they can whenever there's something like this coming up. So they're going to be proactive. They're going to censor things. They're going to try to stop misinformation. Anything that's a hot button issue for the current government regime, they're going to be all over. Uh, you see this implicitly in the banking system. Mm. There are new there are new guidelines going around for cryptocurrency that are just, hey, here's a recommendation that we're seeking comment on from the bank regulators. That's It's this new FinCEN regulation. We, we want your comment on it. It's not even a regulation. It'll just be a rule that we put out there. It's not law, but we want your recommendations and thoughts on it. That's the stage it's at right now, and the banks are already implementing all of the recommendations and rules in this letter, even though it was just put out there as, as seeking for recommendation and input, and even though it's not going to be law, it's just going to be guidance, even though it's in the early like beta stage of draft, the banks are already implementing those rules today. 
And that the more captured they get by regulation and the more they build that moat through regulation, it's a two-sided coin, the more I think these cloud companies are going to be proactive on this kind of stuff. I, I think it's just going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse because the tooling is just going to get more sophisticated and it's going to make more mistakes. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Egon, checking in. It's been a minute. Welcome back. Hello, Egon. He says, hi, Chris and Mike. Egon at your service. Also, hi to noob Steve. Yes, I'm doing fine. When I finished, when I am finished working in IT, I will do the following. Tell my ex-wife that I cannot pay the mortgage for the house she and my son are living in anymore. <laughs> Tell my wife that I cannot pay the mortgage for the house we are living in anymore. Uh, then I'll start a dog hotel. <laughs> the first time we brought our dogs to a dog hotel, we felt bad because, well, we abandoned them there. The second time we brought our dogs to the same hotel, we felt bad because we did not bring them back earlier. The dogs were so, so enthusiastic about seeing the woman again that runs the hotel. So I guess I just want to be the guy that gets paid to get greeted by dogs like this. <laughs> you know, there's no shame in that. By the way, the mascot is in hibernation mode since the API change at Weapon X made my Android client useless. I'm still not visiting the website. See, see, this is the kind of thing. Elon, you're losing advertising, and you've lost yeah. our mascot. You've, Elon, you've lost Egon. Ooh, nice. I know, it's rough. It's, that's not how it should be. Thank you for checking in, Egon. Nice to hear from you. Also, tell your wife's boyfriend we said hello. Uh, and then I had a question for the audience. You can email in at coder.show slash contact or boost in. I got to know the most ridiculous AI hype you've seen so far because the one that I've seen going around, I shared a picture with you, Mike. Mm-hmm is these Coca-Cola stands that say co-created with artificial intelligence on the side of them. Those were so stupid. Those were so dumb. This has got to be like peak AI hype, right? This has got to be I, You know, I was trying to think of a stupid one to top that, and I, I really couldn't find one. So, so there's got to be something out there, though. So somebody boost in or, or email in with like a ridiculous AI hype or product hype for AI. I want to know a few of the a few that you've seen out there. Yeah, there's <laughs> different levels of ridiculous. It's it's, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we could say uh, the Skynet level fear. It's not hype, but it's certainly pretty uh, pretty aflame this week. Alderon Games slash Coder. Alderon Games is looking to hire some talented remote workers. Matt, he's the lead over there. He reached out. He said, "You know, I've been a long time listener. I'm running my own business now. We're growing." And I want to hire the right folks. We're building a remote first company. Thought, you know, I got started by listening to Coda Radio. Maybe somebody out there is in a similar position. So here we are years later. Alderon Games is an independent self-publishing game studio, totally in the spirit of how JB would do things. You know, they have no studio above them and no publisher below them they must answer to. So they can focus on the content and not have to nickel and dime the players with like in-app purchases and stuff like that that just can get a little out of hand. But they need some help. They've got some front-end positions, some back-end positions, testing. They're also expanding into Linux, so they're specifically looking for people that have some Linux skill sets. So there may not be a specific listing there, but if that sounds like you, you might want to consider also applying. So go to alderon.games/coder. That lets them know you heard about it here. It's a great way to support the show, but you can also see the open positions. What I might do is you know, get your resume ready. Brush up your GitHub profile if you can, and then head over to alderon.game slash coder. Let them know you heard about it from here. That kind of gets your toe in the door. I think it's a great opportunity. Some remote work with a great company that likes the same podcast you do, it's pretty good chances. They're looking for great workers, and you're probably looking for a great gig. So check it out. Alderon.games slash coder. (laughs) 
Yes, yeah, so Sam Altman was fired as CEO of OpenAI on Friday. It was actually a pretty surprising move, all things considered, and uh, especially for a Friday when things are generally pretty quiet. And I got a clip here from CNBC that walks us through the timeline. There is a couple of drops in the clip. Don't adjust your set. It's, it's in CNBC's audio. Here's a quick rundown of what happened. First, on Friday afternoon, four of OpenAI's six board members voted to fire Altman as CEO. Tensions had been building in part of our disagreements about the potential dangers of artificial intelligence. The board did not believe Altman was communicating honestly uh, with them. Altman was notified about that uh, via video meeting on Friday that uh, he had been fired. Then Greg Brockman, who was not part of that meeting, although he's the chair uh, of the the board, he was stripped of that role. Uh, He was told he was going to be the president of the company, but uh, he quit in protest on Friday night. Several other executives and senior researchers also resigned. And the move shocked the company's employees and major investors, including Microsoft, that didn't know about any of this. They were told all at the very, very, uh, not even after the fact, those investors then pressured the board members to try to bring Altman back. And on Sunday, Altman posted a photo of himself at X, uh, OpenAI's headquarters, wearing a visitor badge with the comment, first and last time I ever wear one of these, I think originally with the hope of working there. Uh, But talks between Altman and the board reportedly reached an impasse over the makeup of the role of the board. And then early this morning, uh, Microsoft CEO announced that Altman would be joining the new team. Meantime, CNBC has learned that OpenAI has hired two, uh, has hired, I should say, former Twitch CEO Emmett Shear as its new CEO. And when that piece of it was told, I'm told to uh, to Sam to Sam Altman, he was, uh, I think, in shock. That part actually came before I think Microsoft technically hired him. But nonetheless, it's been a wild back and forth. There's a few narratives in this, Mike, that I think are awfully convenient. But I want to capture your thoughts before I go down that rabbit hole, just at this state, with what we know today and and what seems to be at play right now as we record. What are your thoughts? There's so much here, right? And poor Shep was getting confused there because it, it's pretty damn confusing. First off, I think we all need to apologize to Jar Jar. He is obviously not the most incompetent operator around. That would be the board of OpenAI. Nice job, guys. Got to agree with that. Misa would have done a better job, and Misa not blow up eighty billion valuation. <laughs> what are you crazy? A thing that I think is getting coverage, but maybe not enough, is the board of OpenAI isn't really like a normal corporate board. Then I'm gonna fry some. It's not bacon. It's just pissing off penguins here. It's a not for profit, right? That owns the for profit company. So their justification for all this nonsense is to protect humanity. Whatever that means, I got to tell you, I used ChatGPT this morning. I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel too scared. I'll put it to you that way. It reminds me of, and I maybe shouldn't name individual company names. But remember all those very promising end of the '90s, early aughts Linux and open source focused companies. Oh yeah, sure. That that were so like focused on community and free software. And all ended up getting rolled up into, I don't know, IBM and Red Hat, and then Red Hat itself into IBM, right? And what was left, eventually Google. And what was left, Google. Or how about all the open source focused businesses that, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. AWS, i.e. Amazon, ended up just harvesting the open source version of their offering and basically capturing most of the value while they were sitting on a soapbox talking about beards and freedom. Right. This was a value harvesting arrangement. Yeah, that this what this was, but I mean, Sam understandably, I think, wants to be the next Steve Jobs. 
so there's so many dumb things here, right? One of the things is that keeps being reported is that his Dev Day event that he hosted for OpenAI was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I went back and reread the coverage of that. I had watched part of it. Really? It was a tremendous success for the company. The The coverage was so exceptionally positive about that AI, OpenAI Dev Day. It was positive, but it's not like he came on stage and was like, and meet HAL 9000. No, but... I don't think it was a PR disaster for the company. I disagree with that. I don't think it was a disaster. No, I, I'm not saying it was a disaster. I'm saying this is the only guy who gets fired for for good performance, right? Like, I, I don't... Oh, yeah, I, yeah. You know, and then there's so much, like, it's like high school-level drama, like Drew was saying in our private chat. I mean, uh, I forgot that... I can't say the gentleman's last name, but Isla, the, one of the co-founders and researchers who started this, who was the man, you know, allegedly whispering in the other board members' ears that Sam has gone out of control and he right. had a shady tweet a couple weeks ago about ego has no place in research, right? All of a sudden today, after getting the coup he wanted, is like, I regret my involvement. The big winner here is Satya, no matter what happens now. Oh, yeah. He's he's either, if Sam somehow comes back, because apparently up until this hour, he's still trying to, Sam's going to know that Satya saved him, and he's basically his little brother now. Or I think more likely, if they do do this Microsoft Advanced uh, Artificial Intelligence Research subdivision or whatever, well, he just basically got to acquire, effectively, OpenAI for no money and no regulatory scrutiny whatsoever. That is the most baller move I think I've ever seen. (laughs) That's my rant. Go ahead. Oh, it was... was Sajay is clearly one of the sharpest CEOs of the big tech companies. Class of his own. And the maneuvering he did between Friday and Monday morning before the market opens is maybe one of the most impressive deal-making maneuvers we've ever seen in the last 30 years in tech. But I actually think it's low probability that Sam stays at Microsoft. I think it's a higher probability that he goes back to open AI. So let's I'll, I'll get there. I want to start with, though, there's two really interesting narratives here. One is the one you touched on, which is, you know, they've reached AGI or GPT-5 was too powerful. Or the, th- the third one is at the dev day when they announced the GPTs in, in an app store, that's moving too fast towards commercialization. So those are the three, like, we're such good stewards of AI that we're concerned narratives that are out there right now, and that's why they had to have a coup. Then there's also a fourth one, and that is that Sam Altman was sniffing around and trying to get billions mm. for a new chip venture to build TPUs, tensor processing units, to compete with NVIDIA's GPUs. And they were looking at like money for billions from Saudi Arabia's public investment fund and SoftBank and a bunch of others – including working with Johnny Ives' group <laughs> uh, to build this kind of GPU alternative. In a white room. So then there was some, so the, the fourth rumor was that, that they discovered potentially that, that happening and they weren't okay with that and he did, wasn't honest and forthright about it or something like that. And then there's the fifth one, of course, which is the allegations from his sister, which may be true, and so they had to separate ways because we don't actually know the reason why they departed right now. So, so the fifth one seems unlikely because that's not the kind of thing you change your mind on, right? If you've decided that you believe those allegations and you're going to fire his ass, you just fire his ass and you just don't say anything. I agree, right? Yeah. And Microsoft would probably get wind of that. Microsoft would not back him up because there's, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my thinking. So it's probably not that. It's probably one of the first four. Or all of them. Or all. (laughs) 
right? I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's pretty much provable that he was running around looking for cash. And you got to remember, like, I mean, I don't know him from Adam, but this is such a weird structure. He has basically no equity. So it's not like he's, like, betraying his own interests here. He's effectively an employee at OpenAI, right? I, I could see him being like, listen, I'm now the face of AI. I want what, you know, every other hotshot young founder before me, starting with Jobs, has gotten. And I, it, it sounds crass, but... I think he's trying to right now as we speak, because, see, we kind of, unfortunately, this gets published on Wednesday. We're recording on Monday. This thing's literally changing by the hour. I think right now... Everything's gone silent since we heard those 600 employees had signed a letter saying they wanted to resign and follow Sam unless the board steps down. Everything's gone silent since that went public. I think it's very probable that Sam, the board, the employees, Sache, everybody's discussing. And I would bet you Sache has given Sam the optionality to go back to open AI if they can structure things appropriately because Microsoft wins either way. And if Sam and Greg stay at Microsoft and Microsoft maintains this $10 billion partnership with OpenAI, they're riding two angry horses at the same time. And if a lot of OpenAI staff leave and go join Microsoft, there's going to be bad blood there. That's a really awkward situation. So in some ways, while Sacha has has engineered a solution that the market's very happy with, they're only up about 3% right now, but the market's happy instead of a huge bomb. But they would also probably be pretty okay with Sam rolling back to open AI if this board goes. And I think that's in negotiation and play right now. I don't think Satya can lose, right? So if there, if there's basically three possible outcomes, barring somebody gets struck by lightning or something crazy like that. You know, Sam goes to Microsoft, great. You know, Satya got that weird fake acquisition of open AI that I talked about. Uh, Sam goes back, Sam and company go back to open AI. Great. So now he has this partnership he wanted with probably a seat on the board and even more control and influence over OpenAI. And hopefully they can get rid of that insane structure with the nonprofit. Yeah, my thinking is a restructure. Microsoft or Satya or somebody comes in actually mm-hmm. on the board now. They, they'll have Sam's back. Yeah. Uh, the third option would be Sam and the, what, 600 or whatever it is, OpenAI employees – just say, all right, well, we can't get rid of this nonprofit. We can all resign en masse and start a new company, you know, you know, whatever, AI2 or whatever you want to call it. And Microsoft can just invest in that. And, you know, now Sam gets the throne he wants. That might even be better for Satya because I agree, Sam does not seem like he, you know, he was a, he was run by Combinator. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason left, but we don't really know why. Right. He doesn't, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to want to be in the big corporate structure of Microsoft for too long, right? So giving, give him his throne. I don't know. I feel like. Yeah, they're giving him the title of CEO. Yeah. Which, is which Microsoft hands out to like a few heads of division. Yeah, yeah I think there's an Xbox CEO and uh, yeah. I think Office, does Office have one? I think they do. Yeah, so it's, yeah, I mean, Sache, but you know, there is going to be a big loser. Although it's, I'll tell you who that is in a moment, but it's not Google. Uh, Google's head of AI, Chris Bake, tweeted, or I guess X'd, uh, he says, you better believe we're using this open AI news to make rapid advancements and go on the offensive. As soon as I'm back from PTO for Thanksgiving break, I'll be coordinating all hands with my team where we'll put some Q2 OKRs in place to discuss a plan to get to parity with GPT-4 by the year 2026. Look out, world. I mean, it's a joke, right? It's it's 
But it really is an opportunity for Google. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's basically saying, thanks, Isla, for we were losing pretty badly and you decided to handicap OpenAI for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how long it's going to take them to execute. But it is a this is a window of opportunity and it's a massive problem for one company in particular. Tailscale.com slash coder. Head on over there to get a free personal account for up to 100 devices. That's a great way to support the show, too, because it kind of registers that, hey, I heard it here on Coder. So what is Tailscale? It's a simple zero-config VPN that you can get up and running on all your devices in minutes. It creates a mesh VPN between all your systems where they talk directly to each other using WireGuard's noise protocol. It is perfect for developers or those of us that have home labs and systems that we want to create ad hoc secured networks around. There's great things like ACLs and even funnels that allow you to share some resources when you need to in a very secure, comfortable way. And Tailscale is always getting better, too. In fact, version 1.5.4 just came out. Huge improvements for UDP throughput. HTTP 3 and quick as well, but UDP-based application speeds on bare metal Linux are killer, and they're actually pushing past the in-kernel WireGuard implementation in terms of performance when you're, when you're doing it on hardware. Tailscale will run inside a container. You can get Tailscale for VS Code. You can have Tailscale on your Android phone. You can have Tailscale on your Linux desktop, your MacBook, whatever it might be. The agent is so quick, so easy to get running, and if you're an enterprise, it'll easily integrate with your enterprise authentication system, including your two-factor and all that kind of stuff that you likes to have because you are as the enterprises. And the nice thing is then you don't have to deal with like the crazy esoteric licensing schemes of the VPN of past or the hardware boxes with their dedicated encryption controllers. <laughs> Man, Tailscale makes all that stuff seem so old and so complicated. It just doesn't need to be that way. And then you also get to take advantage of all the great tools around Tailscale, like Tailscale Send, which is kind of like AirDrop, but for everything on your tailnet, or Tailscale SSH, which lets you establish an SSH connection between your devices in your tailnet. You log right in using your Tailscale credentials Mwah, for deployments. Mm, chef's kiss right there. Oh, I love it. And the best part is, I use it with friends, family, and work, and it's easy to keep all of that separate, too. Go try it. You get it for 100 devices. It's not a limited trial. You can get it for 100 devices, and it's a great way to support the show. You can see how much I love it. It's going to change your networking game. Go to tailscale.com slash coder. That's tailscale.com slash coder. OpenAI and all of the companies that have been building around OpenAI, I think, just lost big time. Yep. I think regardless of what happens, the thing that's just been demonstrated to the entire market is the Azure services that have similar APIs and are based on the same technology are a safer, longer-term bet. You know, Microsoft is the enterprise infrastructure company, and all of this makes OpenAI look like the little startup that they actually are. Yeah, this is, uh, this is really kind of crappy. So if you had done any kind of like, you know, using the chat GPT name and any of your marketing for your product. I don't know anybody who did that. Um, that value is basically evaporated. Um, these clowns, I mean, it, you know, it's like the Joker and Pennywise got together with the Bozo, the clown. I need a, I need a fourth clown. Hmm. Hmm. Harley Quinn okay. counts right. close yeah. enough. Uh, although Harley is very competent, and so is the Joker, and so is Pennywise. They wouldn't have done this. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Money. Yeah, imagine everybody that thought, well, we'll put, by putting chat GPT on here. Yep. We have that on the box. Like mm -hmm. You just, like, they just lost, like, 
50 brand points or something, right? Like, it's just, right. Like all the effort you put into making those marketing materials, trust me, is gone. It stinks. And then also, there's the broader ramifications, right? Of this solidifies Microsoft as the serious AI brand, especially if Sam and team stay on. I don't see how this isn't just a golden win for Microsoft and, like you said, an opportunity for Google to to try to pull back up to the race. Yeah, Microsoft just got a golden ticket yeah. to the AI factory. I mean, either way, they see how the sausage is made and either way they win. But I think for people, it's not necessarily great. Like there was kind of this nice aspect of this small, semi-quasi, partially independent company that was doing the development. And you know, the thing is, it's like, OpenAI as a business is using tens and tens and tens of thousands of GPUs in Microsoft's data center. If Microsoft is now running their own competing AI division, how do they divvy those resources up? Like, there's all these awkward things that are going to come up as a result of this. And I feel like, I don't know, there's more balls to drop still. Like, we don't really know why Sam was kicked out. That could still come out. Also, Microsoft hasn't always demonstrated long-term nimbleness they they react quickly but like linkedin and other things that they acquire sometimes just sort of stagnate after a while well, well, well satya reacts quickly right i, th- I think that's a, a key distinction there does microsoft necessarily act quickly i don't i don't know i was at one thing though just taking like the save humanity argument that has been put out and it's it's tough to see if that was the real reason because the open ai board is uh you can tell they're their lawyers have scared the crap out of them. Well, I think we know it was absolute horse crap from Sam. Well, yeah, but of course. I mean... I mean, if he jumped ship to Microsoft, and Microsoft's all about productizing and making money and pushing this thing as fast as possible, nothing about that says safety. That all says profit to me. Yeah, but what safety means is artificially handicapping yourself. And, you know, we, we live in a world with competitors who aren't so friendly. What safety means is that you develop GPT-5 in-house and have full access to it years before maybe you put it out in the market, but you you know, you know have it. It's inside. Your team has it. I guess. I mean, I, I don't... That's what being safe means. I really hate the Doomer argument on the AI stuff because it's... Oh, yeah. China's not going to do that, right? They're just going to do whatever the hell they want. It was a brilliant marketing strategy, though. I mean, it made them a name brand in two days. Well, it was, but it wasn't... But the See, this is the thing. The normies bought it so hook, line, and sinker. Like, well, he went around and scared all their leaders. Yeah, but use the products. Use the APIs. They're not bad by any stretch, but they're not... Like, you know, ChatGPT is not going to rise up with my PS5 and stage a coup. Now that I said that, if you don't hear from me in 24 hours, you know, I died to a DualShock 4 or 5. I know. I, I, I started the live stream this morning playing the Computer Chronicles from 1984 and 1985. And they're in there. They're talking about natural language input and solving problems and summarizing information and... They're even talking about how it could be used for bad and how there's one group that wants to use it for research and practical purposes and another group that wants to commercialize it and sell it to defense. And all we were having the same exact freaking argument in 1984 and 1985. Yeah, it's because we've been so conditioned by sci-fi to to think these things are right around the corner. Look, I, I have one of those stupid Amazon TVs because I got it on sale, uh, I think, like, last Black Friday. Oh, yeah, one with the fire stuff built in? Yeah. I, uh, uh, Alexandra, let's say, because I don't want to trigger anybody's stuff, <laughs> has has yeah. maybe once successfully found the movie in a service that I actually subscribe to. Oh, I know. I'm just not that scared, right? Like, it, 
they just announced, by the way, hundreds of more layoffs in the Alexa division. Yeah, we, you know what? It's I gotta say, this news we're probably gonna find out even throughout the rest of this week that there was so much other news that just got buried by this. We also don't really know. I mean, OpenAI might be in dire straits as it well, is. Their, perhaps their CPU, their, their uh, Azure usage is. Yeah, yeah. Their bill is huge. Their their revenue is somewhere around what they're charging the user uh, for their cost to revenue. And then additionally, they haven't actually gotten all of that ten bill from Microsoft. That's there's been little details that we've learned through all of this, and one of them is Microsoft is trickling out that money. Yeah, they are. As different milestones are met, <laughs> so it's not like they're sitting on ten bill in the bank from Microsoft. They're getting. Essentially an allowance, which is very fascinating and how that must influence things. <laughs> For the robes this year, we should do, um, not that we're doing any, but I hope we are. We should do a fur-lined satya edition, just like a pimp robe. Comes with a cane and a feathered hat. Because, <laughs> my man, the, the more details you get about how this guy does things, it's like, you just smile and act nice and you're, you're very meditative, but you're really like the, he's Huggy Bear, right? He's the biggest pimp around. He's just, do you think, though, maybe long term? Apple and Google and Amazon are sitting back going, this is why we're just building our own. We don't want to we don't want to have to be hitched to anybody else's wagon. I feel like the AI stuff for Apple's and also ran. Yeah. I guess they're gonna be the problem is, and I think Microsoft's calculation is is this as well, is it's worth being early to the market with this stuff. And we can make it better over time. This is the deal they needed. But uh, what but for open AI you know, if this Emmett Shear guy stays in place, the the former Twitch CEO, amazing choice, brother. By the way, brother of the CEO that just got that just left the self driving car in California. Yep, Cruz. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, Cruz. Uh, Emmett, not a big fan of AI development, and he is one of the folks out there that advocated for a pause. He proposed slowing development down 10 to 20 percent, that's current pace. He said on Twitter that if they're at a 10 now, he's going to put them down to a one or a two. Yeah, it just strikes me as the company as it remains seems to be people that are hostile to the very technology they're developing. Yeah, they're like a pizza shop that doesn't want to actually make pizza. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. Like everybody's got a gluten allergy. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's so now maybe. So my hope for a little bit of logic here is that maybe it really was that Sam was kind of double dealing. Right. And you've been involved in these fights and so have I, right? These little like partnership things that fall apart. There's always like the initial issue and then it just becomes personal, right? Then it just becomes like that guy. I got to imagine at this point, yeah, especially after the whole, oh, come on in, we'll give you a guest badge. Yeah, giving him the guest badge seemed like a really shitty, disrespectful thing to do. And also, like, texting him 10 minutes before with a Google Hangout link, which, hilarious when Microsoft just gave you a couple billion dollars, by the way, and then firing him via Google Hangout seems, you know, it's like Game of Thrones, man. We're going to have, can we have an open AI Red Wedding? It really, it really was. was and he, did you see the picture of him? He's just like chilling there on the couch browsing his, by the way, unprotected phone. What kind of madman is he? <laughs> a rich one. A rich one. Okay. One who yeah. just has like three in his car yeah. and switches the same. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny all this goes down because it's an auspicious time right now. 38 years ago, Steve Ballmer was going crazy because Windows 1.0 was released. How 
much do you think this advanced operating environment is worth? Wait just one minute before you answer. Watch as Windows integrates Lotus 123 with Miami Vice. Now we can take this Ferrari and paste it right into Windows right. Now how much do you think Microsoft Windows is worth? Don't answer. Wait until you see Windows right and Windows Paint and to listen to what else you get at no extra charge. The MS-DOS executive, an appointment calendar, a card file, a notepad, a clock, a control panel, a terminal, a principal, or a RAM driver, and can you believe it? Reversi, that's right, all these features in Reversi, all for just, how much did you guess? 500? A thousand? Even more? No, it's just $99. That's right. It's $99. It's an incredible value, but it's true. It's Windows from Microsoft. Order today. P.O. Box 286 DOS. Yes. In Nebraska. <laughs> Man, how far they've come, right? How far That's Microsoft right. That's right. And you know that there were come. some people <laughs> frantically writing that P.O. Box number down, too. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, you gotta wait too, then, right? Yeah. So it's the release, but then you gotta wait weeks before you and get. And what if the copy. check is? Oh my god! I remember those days of like buying software through a catalog, and being like, "Son of a bitch, did they lose?" Like, ah. Oh. oh man. So they've, uh, you know, looking back at that, they've come quite a ways. They've come quite a ways. Satya would just install it for you and then bill your credit card. Don't worry. Yeah, well, he'll just stream it to your device now. Thank you to our Coder QA crew out there. That's our membership that keeps the show going, and uh, which is more appreciated ever as the ad winter continues to cool. And they also get an ad-free version of the show as a thank you. And the Coderly, which is our Coderly show. CoderQA.co if you want to sign up. And if you use the promo code Black Friday, that's right. If you use the promo code Black Friday, you get $2 off the membership for a year. That's pretty nice. Good deal. CoderQA.co and Black Friday. Or you can sign up for all the shows at Jupiter.com. Party. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Yeah, I'm curious to know what everybody's take is on this whole Microsoft situation, especially as it develops. Boost in with your thoughts on that. But uh, McZip comes in with 25,000 sats. He is our baller booster. Hey, rich lifestyle! Uh, but no message, just supporting the show, which we always appreciate. Unwashed Software comes in with 24,444 sats. Hey guys, first time booster, long time listener, all this talk about AI, but I have yet to hear you mention the impact on podcasts. iHeartMedia, Speaker, Acast, and others have launched AI-powered brand safety tools. Their pitch is audio needs safety tools so brands can trust what they're buying ads on. How long until Microsoft makes its move and builds an Azure service around this idea? Thanks for the great pod. I've been listening since before the Swift episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Don't give it to yeah, them. Don't, don't put do that, that out that. there, dude. Didn't we do like an AI version of us? We did like a brief sample. Yeah. Yeah. I have been kind of commenting on the AI safety stuff a little bit in office hours, uh, Mr. Software. But uh, I do find it concerning to a degree because it, you know, it's just analyzing everything. Well, I could see easily something we say on this show would get us like they give like different A or B or C or F minus ratings. I could see us getting dinged for something we say and then no longer being applicable for ads. I think I think that's bad for podcasting. I think it's really bad for independent media because I think what it's trying to really do is kind of get your arms around the problem of independent media where people can say whatever they want. Uh, but I think podcasts are like the last bastion of free speech right now. I don't like it. Nope. I don't know. And I think Microsoft would probably yeah they love they love selling ads. I could see them. Doing some sort of brand analysis service, I suppose. 
Like a newswire type thing, right? Just like yeah, like a feed you could subscribe to of flagged. Yeah, don't let's not let's not give any more ideas. Let's not, let's not help them. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kirsira comes in with a row of McDucks, twenty two thousand two hundred and twenty two sats. Things are looking up for old McDuck. You were asking about Microsoft stumbling at the ninety yard line. Well, tablets. Microsoft had the idea of an iPad a decade before the iPad. Through a partnership with HP, they got it to replace a paper medical records in some early adopter hospitals, and doctors and nurses loved it, though the lack of foresight, Microsoft smothered it in the cradle. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they were early to tablets. Gates was really pushing that. You can go on YouTube and find him giving presentations talking about how great tablets are years ago. Him and uh, Steve Jobs on stage with uh, Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg. Yeah. And he's like, it's going to be like a scroll. He's like, what? It's like, Yes. I wonder though, like, has the iPad really turned into what? What we, you know, I mean, it's 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 really still just a content consumption device. It is. I mean, there is. A, I will say, it's, some people design art on them and stuff. I suppose some people design art. There's a lot of enterprise use, but oh, is there? Yeah, because of the pain of the butt usage of the MDMs and just having to deal with all the code signing. It's almost always a good idea to push those folks to Android. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they're like, especially if they're willing to spend iPad per unit money, a nice Samsung goes a long way. LT comes in with 20,000 sats. Boost! Says thanks for the info and entertainment. And Noodles came in with a Spaceballs boost, which is 12,345 sats. One, two, three, four, five. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. Says the problem with Microsoft tools is the strategy tax all over them. It makes it so annoying to use. And usually, once you cave in and use their strategy tax stuff, it's pulled out from under you because their strategy has changed. VS Code is proof they can make stuff without their strategy tax being extremely intrusive. So obviously, they're capable of it. Love the show, guys. Hmm. Noodles, that's a good insight. What other products does Microsoft make that lack a strategy tax? That I would somebody somebody boosting with that. You got any ideas? I'm thinking maybe Windows Terminal, but then again, it's so heavily influenced by WSL that it's sort of like a product of their strategy too. So I don't think Windows Terminal. Yeah, I would almost say like VS Code, Windows Terminal, WSL are all part of the same strategy, which is get developers up to Azure. Yeah, but I do agree with what he's saying. When you use VS Code, you don't feel like being pulled in a bunch of different directions by a bunch of fiefdoms inside Microsoft like you do in the Windows experience itself and Office and things like that. I mean, I could give you the worst case. Yeah? The confusion and bifurcation of OneDrive, right? There's OneDrive, which most people know of as OneDrive, and then there's OneDrive Enterprise, which is something basically completely different. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I bet there's a lot of good examples of that. I'd love to think of it. Like, all right, send in a few more examples. Remaking Eden comes in with 5,000 sats using Fountain. Sorry to say I second the remark on UK politics. It's one thing after another, and it's hard to feel like you can make any difference at all. Perhaps we just need to start another punk-like movement. Perhaps a little bit of anarchy would help. I, I, I understand. You know, there's, um, there's something going on about – there's some sort of FCC regulation changing happening at behest of the White House around – ensuring diversity and inclusion in a digital space. And then additionally, on top of that, the White House has then requested that everything from the White House be excluded by these new digital diversity rules that they're coming up with that are kind of like net neutrality. And I just, 
as you can tell, I vaguely am aware of it, but I am so exhausted by all of this that I just have not had the energy to read about it. I just am so tired of yet another thing that's named one thing and does an entirely different thing. I just I find myself unable to j- to just get myself to care, and I know that's that's a horrible place to be. But I can't help it. It's just it's too much now. It's just it's too much going on. Modern life has it's become too much. I don't know if it's the inflation, it's all or it. the the economy or what it is, but it feels like it's everything. It's just it's harder than it's ever been, and so now it's just this stuff is. The, I think there's going to be more and more things like it. And I hate to be pessimistic about it. Somebody set me straight. Thank you for the boost. Open source accountant comes in with 2,000 sats. Believe it or not, Windows has had flat packs first. PortableApps.com since 2004. Used to be my trick to not having to deal with the registry and, in a new way, around my employer's third-party contractor's choice of corporate lockdown software for Windows. Yeah, Portable Apps, that's fair. That, you know, that used to be how I used to run Putty on Windows systems. And uh, Firefox. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good find. We asked for people to point out things where MS was ahead. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, Tampa Tech Techie comes in with 3,402 sats. hey Is the, I guess their first boost was technically an enterprise boost, so in recognition of that, we'll take a moment here. Tough little ship. Little. That's well, a Star Trek-related boost. Microsoft was the OG at Google, killing <laughs> off their own products before the success and way before it was cool. Nice. Yeah, they were early to killing things before they were a success. That's a great point. That's a great point. Kyle Dog comes in with 4,000 sats. First time booster here sending you some sats in honor of the .NET conference this week to show some love for F-Sharp. If you like .NET but haven't done functional programming before, go try F-Sharp. It's really fun and a powerful language to work in, and thanks for the great show. Well, Kylo Dog, thank you for taking the time to set up to boost. Boost! Yeah, it is. I... F sharp is cool. I played with it for a while. It's uh, it's definitely something worth looking at if you're in that ecosystem. Thank you for supporting the show. Cospelin comes in with our last boost this week, three thousand six hundred and ninety sats, and just says okay. thanks. Thank you everybody who boosted, and we had ten boosters, and we stacked one hundred twenty-two thousand one hundred and three sats. Thank you everybody who supports this individual production by boosting in. It's a nice way to support the show and get your message in, and it's all done over a completely self-hosted, independent. No middleman infrastructure. When we talk about independent media, I think that's something really important. Like we talk about OpenAI and Microsoft and all of this, it all reeks of centralization and the downsides. This is a system that's a vote against that. You can participate by getting a new podcast app at podcastapps.com. Fountain, Podverse, Castomatic, those are all really popular in our audience right now. Podverse is GPL and cross-platform. Fountain Streams USATs is also available on Android and iOS, and it does have a web player. Those are pretty nice. Those are my favorite. And then there's like pod fans that are getting worked on right now. And Castomatic is great on iOS. You get those, you move over to them. They're pretty cool because there's a whole new ecosystem of podcasts for you to check out that have a whole bunch of new features. But if you don't want to switch apps, you just get Albi at getalbi.com. You top it off with something like Strike, which is now available around the world or the Cash app, anything on the Lightning Network. And it's like SMTP for mail, but for money. And you just send it over to the Albi app, getalbi.com, and then you can boost from the Podcast Index website. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. Or you can become a member at coderqa.co and support the show directly that way. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people before we get out of here? Uh, go to dominicm.com. And if you want any automation or some cool new reporting stuff, check out alice.dev. Yeah, and keep in mind, as this story develops with OpenAI and Sam Altman and Microsoft, we'd love to hear your take on it because we're going to be watching it closely and 
probably do follow up in 546. So coder.show slash contact or boosting in are great ways to kind of give us your thoughts as it develops. And do tune in because it's basically going to be part two, I would imagine, <laughs> next week. I don't think this story is over yet. <laughs> yep. I think we got another week at least. Yeah. Lots of links this week. They're all going to be at coder.show slash 545. Our previous episodes are there as well as our RSS feed. You grab that, then it doesn't matter when we're live. You can get it when we publish and listen whenever you feel like it. Though we are live if you like to join jblive.tv, Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over there, or get it in your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Hey, we really appreciate you listening. We really appreciate if you ever have a chance to share the show and all of that. So thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you right back here next week.